All right, welcome to the BLK Silence Makes Me Cry Christmas episode. Uh, this is our holiday version of our, uh, I guess it's probably now famous playlist podcast. Uh, just like with our Halloween episode, we're going to be taking you through some of our favorite Christmas tunes. And with me, as always, is John. Hello. And we have our holiday friend, Keith. Hey. And John, we're we're starting with Paul Revere and the Raiders, yeah. Yes. Uh, this yeah, this is off their their Christmas album. Um, I should have looked up the year, but I would guess sixty seven, sixty eight. Um, it's called A Christmas Present. Dot 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 and past. And it's basically a long shout out to our uh, friends at the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah, rain, sleet, or snow, they'll get your Christmas cards to you by the 4th of July. And your Christmas records. <laughs> <laughs> I got all my Christmas records right on time. Yeah, and they bring them up to your porch. They, they come through the gate, they leave it by the door. I think I'm going to leave them a $20 bill with a tip. Yeah. Shout out to Kevin. He <laughs> takes care of my vinyl. Kevin at the USPS. <laughs> but my old, my old postal worker snapped my Elvin Jones original... Uh, Riverside? Riverside. He just like folded the damn thing in half and shoved it in the mailbox. But I mostly blame the seller for not packaging it well and not writing fragile or anything. Do not bend. Yeah. It was a pretty flexible record to start with, but it's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> well, definitely, uh, if, especially if you live in the north of the United States or anywhere else, uh, you know, say thank you to your postal workers. They uh, definitely work hard this time of year, and if it's yeah rain sleeting or snowing it can be probably a big pain in the ass yeah yeah i'm in the post office like two or three times a week shipping off records and it is crazy in there now lines out the door well i i've been knee deep in uh shipping logistics uh, because my wife works for a major retailer uh, Mm -hmm. online retailer and so I won't say anything more about that other than I know the hardships that all those people go through this time of year. So, Yeah, you want to move on to the next song? Yeah, so, you know, uh, we're taking you through some of our favorite Christmas songs, so hopefully we take you through the hump and get you past the last couple days here and put you in the Christmas spirit. So uh, we're starting with uh, actually a pick from John. Yeah, this is probably one of the more obscure picks that I have, but it should sound kind of familiar. It's the Ravens doing White Christmas. F.U. Ravens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is from 1948. It uh, precedes the the Drifters version that most people will know from 1954 that was in Home Alone. Mm -hmm. The famous shaving scene. Right before the uh, aftershave incident. Right. Mm. That movie is so good, by the way. I just rewatched it. It's 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 a it's a classic. I think especially for anybody our age, and oh, yeah. and I do know that some of our friends that have kids that are entering into the six, seven, eight year old yeah. range, that they're that they're sharing it with them, and it's a pretty yeah. Pretty Kevin fun time. Kevin was eight in that film. That's insane. And that and that and that came out in '90, and uh, yeah, so we were like seven or eight when we saw it, which is kind of probably. I like, like how you refer to Macaulay Culkin as Kevin. 
<laughs> yeah, then the, the token kind of high voice of the, the vocal quartet or whatever they were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this the only version of White Christmas on this playlist? I think, I think so. it is. So do you guys know that White Christmas is the top-selling single of all time? It is like the biggest single ever. Just when you um, like collect all the versions together? No, no, the... That Drifters version? No, the the Bing Crosby. Oh. The the original recorded version. It's an Irving Berlin tune, but it was like um, 1942. So it's like wartime. You know, all like the really good nostalgic Mm -hmm. Christmas tunes are all... um, during the war, in, in, it's interesting. Uh, D- Dean Martin's version was pretty popular too, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Am I saying that? It, was it the Drifters from the, the Drifters? Home? Is the Home Alone version? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they did. I, I. This definitely sounds like influence on that version. Yeah, that wasn't my idea. Like when I was doing little research, I had seen somebody made that illusion. And I was like, oh yeah, it definitely was the template for that version. Do, do you know anything else about the Ravens? I do. They're Baltimore. Are they? Yep. That's really cool. Man, I don't actually... I feel like I saw that, and I feel like I've said it once before this holiday, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to double-check that. We, Wait, keep saying, that a f- we keep saying we'll make like show notes where we have all these corrections. I said Manchester Orchestra was uh, from Raleigh in one of the previous podcasts, and they're from Atlanta, I believe, or maybe Florida. Who knows? Did they relocate to the Triangle, though? No, they just had an association with the annuals, or annuals. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure we get on the fact-checking for everybody so don't get too mad. Oh, man. One of my nice. favorites. I haven't listened to this album this Christmas yet. I, I haven't, haven't either. either. Yeah, it, it's It's been eluding me this Christmas, but I feel like this is one of the few on that album that's a, that is a Beach Boys-esque song. But the like with the vocal harmonies and the and the rock and roll tempo, but it's such a cool uh, Christmas tune to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Keith and I listened to the Letterman the other night, which I had just gotten just a couple weeks ago, and their, their stuff is very Beach Boys esque, but light, like light, just a soft, soft version of it. Yeah, I just. Uh... In a collection of records that I picked up about two months ago, I started really going through and listening, and I have two Letterman records in that collection, actually. Yeah. I haven't gotten to the L's yet. Yeah. Is this a 64 album? Is it? I want to say it's 64. Yeah, it's 64, and when I was doing a little bit of research on it, uh-huh. I heard that the Beach Boys Christmas was made as a response to Phil Spector uh, shitting on Brian Wilson's piano playing in a 63 Christmas record that Spector produced. Wow. And Wilson played piano on Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and apparently he didn't think Wilson's piano playing was that great. Huh. And so I think Brian Wilson was like, I'll show you. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that he was involved with any of that. Uh, yeah, that Merry Christmas from Phil Spector with like the Ronettes and. No, maybe not this one. But this one is like the typical uh, Mike Love lead and mm-hmm. just a really cool tune, I think. Yeah, this whole record's so much fun. I bought this. Uh, this was 
record and tape traders in Towson, Maryland, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, just digging on the ground. I think that day I picked up a copy of Yes, Close to the Edge, and I found like a pristine copy of this. It didn't have an inner sleeve. Yeah. Um, that's still the copy I listen to. It's, it's always funny when you find yeah, one that doesn't have an inner sleeve and it still looks great. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes you think mm-hmm. like, do you yeah. really need the inner sleeve? But I guess <laughs> a lot of these Christmas records didn't get a lot of play. Right. That, that <laughs> is true. And that record in Tape Traders was such a cool store. Oh, yeah. Although at the time I was really there just to flip through the used uh, CD section. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, I would also get down on the ground and, and go through the records too. But Was that in between... <coughs> You and me taking naps, uh, mm-hmm. to hiding from Keith. Yeah, if I wasn't going to class, I was either napping with you or I was at the record and tape traders. And, and just to be clear, we were in separate beds. Keith and I shared a room together. Mm-hmm. Well, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair to say. That's clear enough. Okay, yeah. that's clear. Shout out uh, to Keith Waitman for yes. actually going to class. Yeah. I bet you wish you napped now, boy. Yeah. And coming back and getting mad that we did not. Alright, so next next song. Next song. Oh yeah. This is a jazzy one. Oh yeah. This Keith, is, was this your pick? This is my pick, yeah. This is one that's been giving me some Christmas joy this year. Even in 78-degree Austin? Yeah. Yeah, today was way too warm for Christmas music. But the yeah. last, like, about a week ago, I had to run the space here for maybe five days straight. It was definitely cold enough for Christmas music. But listen to this bass line. This is James Jamerson. Mm. Um, I mean, this is as good as he gets. It's so good. And there's a, a really funky bridge section that will be quiet when it gets to that part. But here's something really cool about this. The other night, um, I was on Instagram, and a friend of mine who's a music educator, he's a drum teacher and a bass teacher, put up a transcription of a bass bass part. I was like, was working on this with one of my clients, and see if you can guess who it is. So I just, I was like, oh, who is this? I don't know. Went and got mom's 59 P bass and like sitting on the floor, like slowly, re- you know, reading through it. I was like, oh, I know this. I freaking know this. And then finally, like, I was pl- I was playing it too slow, like brought up to speed. I was like, oh, it's, uh, what Christmas means to me. Huh. Yeah. I didn't have enough time to get through the through the bridge. You'll you'll hear it. Do we say this was Stevie Wonder? Is this Stevie Wonder, you guys? <laughs> yeah. 1967. <laughs> yeah. This this whole album's really cool. This is the Motown Christmas. No, this. is... Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if the whole Stevie Wonder Christmas album is on Spotify. Yes, yeah, "Someday at Christmas" was the name of the actual '67 mm-hmm. Tamla original uh, version of it. But yeah, this Motown Christmas came out probably sometime in the mid to late '70s, and it had Jackson Five Supremes. It's like a really great two LP set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I have like an '80s reissue. You have. You do have the original. Right? Do you have a double disc of it? No, no, it's the one. It's like the red and green striped cover. The original is that red cover with him. Um, I don't mean the Motown Christmas. I'm sorry. I was oh, talking about the, uh, oh, oh right, right, right. Yep. I just sold a copy of this Motown Christmas cool. for some some holiday uh, inflation inflated prices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the only copy that was up, and I think I got sixty bucks for it. 
And as we've talked about before, John is in it all for the money. I, yeah, I'm a big old Scrooge. Just flip it for the holidays. Um, how many Christmas records this season did you purchase? Oh, I don't know how many. Th- <clears throat> I probably, well. For your like, own collection. Yeah, I mean, I have probably at least like 120 Christmas albums. Mm-hmm. I've probably gotten 30 or 40 in the last month and then a couple throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple from you, but I also, I got 12 of them. In the mail? Mm. Um, yeah, through the mail. And I even discovered a lot that I had in my collection, you know, from my from my grandfather that maybe I passed on in the past couple of years because I had just gotten, you know, like the Ventures Christmas album. And that's the thing about this year. Like, I've kind of passed on the Beach Boys and the, the Ventures and kind of ventured into some new... Ventured? Ventured. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of Christmas music out there. It's exciting. Well, next pick is a, an odd one that I came to really late when throwing stuff on here. I love the band, but I don't really love this one. You don't like this song? No, I like. I like my Christmas music secular. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Unless it's like a real traditional one. Yeah. I don't know. This one's like a little. This is the weight that they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, this is the band off their last album, um, Islands. That's. Sorry, John, this one was a, a little bit of a dud. I was wondering why, why no one was jumping on the on the conversation. Well, I wanted to hear it. I was, I was, I was grooving. I, Keith was hating. Just don't listen to the words. Uh, I'm not, I'm not hating on it. Yeah, yeah. It's a Rick Danko vocal written by Robertson. I think it's a Christmas classic. But yeah, it's it's very religious. It's it tells the whole story about baby Jesus. I, I, I do have like never, I have never heard it before. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's probably one of the better kind of late band songs. I don't, I don't think there's much on Islands that I really enjoy. We'll come yeah, I think I, to it. I think I just oh, yeah. missed this entire album. Yeah. I don't know it as well. I mean, I there's certain bands like like the band where the, you know as you hit a certain point and you you know try to keep going deeper like the kinks or something where you start to get into the 70s and see see what sticks and sometimes sometimes it's better than you, th- you think or better than you remember right. what year did Islands 77 okay yeah very last studio album mm-hmm. man it is the Christmas story <laughs> I will say this is, I'm enjoying it right now more than I ever have. Yeah. yeah. Keith, what you were talking about earlier about the, a lot of the 
classic Christmas albums, uh, you know, like that World War II era. Uh-huh. During dinner earlier, we were listening to... I have a record. It's got a lot of, like, uh, Mathis and Barbra Streisand, and just it's a collaboration album that's, like, classic Christmas songs. And I, cool. I don't know who... Uh, who produced it or anything like that but it's just a, a collaboration album and they were all very classic religious christmas songs hmm. what do we got and, next and speaking of classic r- religious not <laughs> religious christmas songs we have last christmas by wham it's a cover of a jimmy world song <laughs> i don't know but no. Produced, Wham, Wham gave us one of the greatest singers of our generation. In my no, Jimmy World covered this song um, on a... I don't know if Keith, if you had it as an in-store thing during Christmas. Well, it was on some compilation back in early 2000s. Was Weezer on that comp? I don't know. Okay, I, I have like a memory of... I think it would have been on one of the more mainstream... Yeah. This is when you would have worked at Sam Goody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can almost picture hearing that. I didn't have it. Keith, did no, you work I at Waves? I actually might have been, sorry, I might have actually been at FYE when I was hearing it. I can picture hearing it at FYE when I was working there after you had left. What's that, Jay? You worked at Waves at the same time that John worked at, at Sam Goody, or, or no? Yep. Yep. You never worked there, did you? What? At a Waves? I worked at FYE after Waves turned into FYE gotcha. and you left. That's what it was. Did you ever work at FYE? I didn't. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that same exact store, Waves, turned into an FYE. Yeah. So, Jay, this one does it for you, huh? I just think it's fun. Get you dancing? And, and it's the, the very first, like, 18 words are just in my head repeatedly after I hear the song once. So I wanted to get it in everybody else's head. Hey, Jay, you know how I know you like Christmas? Because I like last like Christmas by Lamb. <laughs> well, we don't have to listen to the whole song because it's it's one of the longer uh, Christmas songs. It's actually a four-minute, 23-second song. And I think that's the longest track on the playlist. Oh, no. We have one, one song that's longer. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of got the gist of this one. Yeah, well... You know, it's you just obviously don't have anybody special. Well, Keith started with the the negativity, so I think from here on out we're just gonna shit we're on. Just gonna shit picks. on everybody's songs. Bah humbug. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one, which is a key song, and I'm gonna just fucking poo-poo everything. What's it like? Gonna be like some like solo jazz guitar? Oh, not solo. No, I actually can't poo-poo this because I, I actually this is one of my favorite Christmas songs. No matter who who does it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember being in a hotel room in Dallas two years ago when you sent me the YouTube of this, and I was like, Oh cool. I might have actually bought it on Christmas and got it like a week or two after. Yeah, I don't even remember how I found this. I think I found it online. Like on the YouTube's. Before I. Uh... Well, I was getting heavy into Grant Green and discovered Kenny Burrell and like right around the same time I like, even found out who he was like I found this Christmas record I think I found my physical copy at um what's the shop that closed up on South Congress oh Friends of Sound Friends of Sound well they they, they relocated they're relocated. in San Antonio now yeah. 
but I was, I was really excited to find this. It was in great shape. This is a 66 recording. But uh, I can't find out who else played on this record. There's, there's no credits whatsoever. Um, but he put out another album this year that's really good called The Tender Gender. This year? Year 66. Oh, oh. Yeah, same year as the, the Christmas <laughs> not, record. He's not alive anymore, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was... <laughs> so, right. so we had a blizzard in Austin about a week ago, or maybe a week and a half ago. Blizzard in, in air quotes. Yeah. We had... Uh, there was enough snow on my car I could have made a snowball. But I, was, I had to scrape my windows. Yeah. But I was giving Andy a ride. I had this playing in the car, and I showed him the album art. You know, the album cover mm. is incredible. For yeah. This. You should definitely look it up. It's, yeah, it's one of, like, my top five album. You know, I always display oh, it around so the good. season. Yeah. But we're listening to it. You know, I'm telling him, you know, this great guitar player, Kenny Burrell, and we're getting around to this part, and he's like, I wonder if all the other guys were like, hey, you don't have to play so many notes. <laughs> Well, his name's on the record. The um, the Raven song that I played at the at the start was off of a a compilation, and uh, there was another song in there by Debbie Dab- Dabney, and it was called "I Want to Spend uh, Christmas with Elvis" from '56, and I found out that Burrell played guitar on it. Cool. And like very, you know, rocking around the Christmas tree, like nice guitar, you know, rock leads. What did I see? Kenny Burrell played. Oh, I found that there is a Jimmy Smith uh, Christmas record. Oh, yeah. Just found out about it, so that will be on my list of uh, records to buy for next year. Uh, it came out in '64, and Kenny Burrell is the guitar player on most of it. Nice. Yeah. And Jimmy Smith it's, uh, organ, right? Yeah. 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 I'm going uh, digging tomorrow because I have not had any time to go to any stores this year. So tomorrow I've, I've set myself up for a haircut and then going to the three record shops, my local stores, awesome. uh, to try to get some stuff for the, for the weekend. Cool. And I have my, uh, a smaller portable uh, record player that I'm taking to my parents' house for Christmas Eve. Oh, nice. So, so I'm hoping to find some good stuff to take up there and for the family get-together. Yeah. Oh, this, this is a great record. Everybody should buy it. <laughs> oh, Ooh, what's that, Santa Claus? That's a Willie Bobo. That's the way you see it when you're feeling blue. Blue Xmas. When you're blue at Christmas time. Yeah, this is uh, Miles Davis from 62 with a rare vocalist over top of it. Um, Bob DeRoe. Sidewalk Santa Clauses are much, much, much too clean. They're wearing fancy rented costumes, false beards. This is a good one to get weird to around the Christmas holiday. Oh, yeah. Nearly everybody's standing around. So, why is that name familiar? Oh, um, Bob DeRoe. It was um, Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. Yeah, it did like three is the magic number, and yeah. Has a very distinct voice, but yeah. Yeah, there's, there's kind of a <laughs> kind of confusing Wikipedia entry around this where Miles seemed to like you know him before but but after the fact kind of said that you know Columbia wanted him to put a silly singer named Bob Durrell on the album but he also said that he met Wayne Shorter on the session so it was kind of a interesting yeah sorry I just I, I had a flashback to when three uh, was it was that movie slackers? 
the Linklater movie? Yeah. With no. uh, Jason Schwartzman? No, 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 no. The one with Jason Schwartzman. Not Slackers, oh. the Linklater, but the other gotcha. one. Gotcha. Slacker singular. Yeah. What about Remember? it? But they, like, they, they're riding, like, a tandem bike, and that song's playing in the background. So every time I hear that about that song, that's the scene in my head. Oh, three is the magic number. I got you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to grab another beer. Okay. Cool. Yeah, do you know who else is on this session? Yeah, like I said, Willie Bobo is the... Uh-huh. The percussion. And I think that was... I mean, there, there were more people, but not anybody. I have kind of limited yeah. jazz knowledge, so so those, those are the two names that, that jumped out, but yeah. Yeah, it was... It, Darrow had an album in 56 where he took a version of Charlie Parker's Yardbird Suite and added lyrics over top of it, and that's how Miles Davis, you know, how he got on his radar. So, so it seemed like he liked him, oh, and then, cool. then after the fact, I guess, I don't know, just... Yeah. Yeah, regretted the fact that he had a vocalist on one of his tracks. Did you first hear this track on that jazz compilation? Jingle Christmas? Bell. I think yeah. it's Jingle Bell Jazz, Columbia Records. That is a really cool record. Yep. That is on my list. Yeah, who else was on that? Is that the? Did that have a Brubeck? Brubeck was on it. I don't think it was all Columbia artists. I would think so. Cool. Like Duke Ellington. Yeah. Yeah. Jing- yeah, could have picked a lot from that, I'm sure. No. Alright, so, uh, next, the next song is, uh, Glenn Campbell's Pretty Paper, his version of Pretty Paper, mm-hmm. which is a Willie Nelson tune. Yeah, um, and I actually, um, I didn't put this in the notes, but I just saw, uh, an article that was circulating about, there's a reference, and it, and it didn't ring a bell, so I, I was meaning to go back and listen to it, but there's some reference to a vendor on the street that didn't have access to his legs, you know, like, so he was, like, kind of on the ground. I, I, I don't know what, what the exact disability was, but it was based on a real person in Waco, Texas, oh. that, um, yeah, that Willie, I don't know if it was, like, a childhood memory or that maybe he was coming through Waco, and then there was all these people that chimed in, people that worked in, in stores and would see the guy. I think he sold pencils kind of on the street and somehow supported his family, and there were family members that chimed in, you know. It was just nobody ever put two and two together that would have been a real person that he was he was singing about. Wow. I just I just remember this song from my childhood. It was something that my mom played a lot around the holidays. And it was on, like, a country Christmas compilation that, that she would play uh, and I think Roy Orbison did a really good version which is one of my mom's actual fav- her, one of her favorite singers uh, and so it was just it was just always played around the holidays and this is one that makes yeah, I don't know. Good. I don't know that I've heard the Glenn Campbell version yeah I actually found this version when I was looking for there's a version that I remember that had a, a female singer and I don't remember anything about it other than just the words in the song itself. And I found this one, and I really like it. I like it. I like the Willie version, but it's too Willie for me uh, around the holidays, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so this this one's a lot nice and soft, and sounds good. Sounds yeah, warm. Nice. So Willie wrote this song. When when was R- Willie's Christmas album? It was like a '64, '65, and then this came out in '68, I believe. Hmm. Was the Willie Christmas was the full album that early on? I don't I don't know I if it a, was yeah. a full I don't know if this was written for a full album or if it was just like a, a single. Yeah. That's cool. 
it's a good, it's a good tune. But I know, I think the Orberson record that it came out on that that was real popular was like '65, I believe. Cool. Yeah, I'd like to get this Glen, the Glen Campbell Christmas record. Yeah, that's a really nice one. Oh, so yeah, it says Orbison had recorded it first in '63, Nelson in '64, and then the Pretty Paper album, you know, the one that yeah. we would know with the wrapping paper, mm-hmm. came out in '79. Okay, I yeah, thought it was late, mid to late '70s. So it seems so like I wonder that... if he re-recorded that. The version that we know right. is probably a late '70s, right. really recording. That's cool. Yeah. All right, Keith. I think uh, your pick is coming up next, my man. Oh, nice. <laughs> is it uh, Jackie Gleason? And yes, it is that Jackie Gleason. <laughs> I wasn't sure at first. I was like, "There's no way this is the comedian and actor." Mm-hmm. But he. To the moon. Yeah, Ralph Cramden. So, so did we figure out he was just kind of an arranger? Does he sing on it? No, he doesn't sing on it. So he he has no musical training whatsoever. Yeah. He just has like a really good ear and kind of knows what he wants, and he always worked with um, with like ghostwriters. Mm-hmm. You know, he would sing melodies and things, and uh, he would conduct some of the orchestras. Uh, but really, he was just into like the romantic. Uh, soundtracks that go along to you know some of the Hollywood films so he was trying to capitalize on that to make records that sounded like movie soundtracks so this is probably like the most romantic sounding Christmas record that I have I actually have the record in my hand romantic and are you speaking from personal experience (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah no this is it's so great I've, I've been into these mostly instrumental um, like late '50s, early '60s, like the Lawrence Welk. And yeah, Lawrence Welk, and uh, yeah, just these 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 hi-fi records. They've been really nice. So uh, yeah, I just saw that the other day, and hi-fi was kind of a genre, like saying like, oh right. I, I think it was um, Breakaway Records that actually had like Exotica slash hi-fi, mm-hmm. but hi-fi was like, what what were they referring to? I think it, well, I mean, I would, we'd have to look into it. But, but just like saying they're high fidelity, like they're super big production kind of things? That are... I think it correlates with with like the equipment of the time. Hmm. Like better, they were getting better, cleaner recordings. Yeah, um, so they would call them hi-fi. But also people were getting better home s- s- stereo setups and so stuff. We're actually getting stereo. So they were the records you would modded. get to test out your hi-fi setup? It wasn't just to test it out, but it was just a... Huh. Uh, people yeah. would listen to them, John. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it, it was just a little perplexing that that hi-fi was a, an actual genre. I'm, I'm sure it was a marketing term too. Right. <clears throat> I forget. But there was clearly like a shift to like it was almost like high definition mm-hmm. for audio. You know, it's essentially what it is. Yeah, but it didn't seem like it really tied in with the switched over to stereo. Like they were still mono records. Oh sure. Yeah. John, do you remember that uh, biopic about Peter Sellers that came out a little while ago? Um, who played? Oh. Was it was it Malkovich? John Malkovich played him. Uh, I, I maybe it was, but I know that Greg Kinnear was in it. Yeah, I definitely didn't um, see it, but but there's a what, there's a scene in there where someone that Sellers is bringing around to the studio is just a hi-fi salesman. Mm-hmm. And so, so that, like when we were, when you guys were talking about that, it kept reminding me of of that scene where he's like, "Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to sell you hi-fi." 
Yeah, Keith's got the original inner sleeve on the Capitol record, and it's got a yeah a, a word a word. <laughs> a word about high fidelity. Uh, I'll read a. I mean, I could read a couple sentences here, but it's the record in this envelope has been recorded with today's most advanced t- electronic techniques. It has been pressed to the most exacting manufacturing specifications. These are the basic requirements of high fidelity, for they represent meticulous concern from top quality at every step of the record's creation. The moment this fine product is completed, it is placed in this envelope (laughs) so that it will reach you in mint condition. From here on, quality uh, reproduction is up to you. So it basically goes on to tell you to handle only by the center and the edges, remove surface dust. Basically, don't touch those grooves. Keep your fingers off the grooves. It's a high-fi record. That's uh they should they should start doing that again and it will probably boost equipment sales. Mhm. Yeah, I also think about uh I don't know if his name was Buck, the guy from Boogie Nights, Don Cheadle's character, how he used to like blast the country music trying to sell hi-fi systems in the stereo store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're going to mention Buck. Have you listened to the Buck Owens Christmas yet? This this season? No. Buck Owens and the Buckaroos. Daddy looked a lot like oh, Santa. Yeah. Well, we did hear it at the little, small little like Christmas him. shindig we had. I recommend that one to you, Jay. You should oh. look that one up later. Okay. Buck Owens yeah. and, the, and the Buckaroos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as as usual, we have every every song on all of our playlists, so don't. I'm not going to hear anything else other than this. There's no other songs available. Yep, this is it. This is definitive. This is every good Christmas song. I don't think we left one off. Yeah. Speaking of, we got our next tune coming up, John. Yeah, it's uh, yeah the Rotary Connection, but not the song that I've been playing incessantly all this holiday. Also has Peace in the title, off an album called Peace. So but Keith yeah, the hates ro- it. Rotary Connection from 67. What's that? Keith hates it because it's, it's got Peace in the title and it's probably uh, non-secular. Um, listen to these lyrics, dude. This song is great. This is a different song. This song sucks. Let's do the other one. Oh no, this is this is that song. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah. Okay. I meant to put the other other one on. There's there's several vocalists on this album. One guy actually sounds a lot like uh, Colin Blundstone, but this isn't. Yeah. And I actually found another song this week about a theory, kind of one of those. Uh, Alex Jonesy theories about why Santa is so cool around this time of year, and it's that he smokes certain things. It, w- it was kind of a theme with uh, some counterculture records. Smoking that mistletoe. Yep. What is he? What is it? I should. Should I try that? Smoking mistletoe. No, Jay, don't, don't. It's not good. It's poisonous. That is not a good idea. I, th- I think it's like a yeah, a euphemism. Ah. Smoking something else green. Ah, I got you. Yeah, but there's a line about, like, why does he come down the chimney if he was cool? He'd just come through the front door. But I know why. It's because he's high. (laughs) Duh. Oh, here it is. Why does Santa come down the chimney? If he were cool, he would come through the door. But I know why. (laughs) He's high. Take it back. It's it's very secular. Yeah. So this band um, was on Cadet Concept, which was a offshoot of Cadet Records, which was kind of Argo Chess Records. Chess it was all that yeah Chicago sound. And uh, Minnie Ripperton 
was in the band, and uh, she had a good solo career after that. Mother of Maya Rudolph. Really? Yep. Hmm. Died way too young. Probably in her 40s. <laughs> yeah, and this band actually backed up um, definitely Muddy Waters on the Electric Mud album, which was kind of a sacrilegious blues album. And I think he, they also backed up Helen Wolf on that, that other cadet concept, Electric Psychedelic Blues album. Was Electric Mud on Cadet? Yep. Cadet Concept. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, it was so many offshoots. I think it was Argo. Yeah, it was Argo Chess, Argo. Cadet. Oh, can, yeah. Because Argo was a, a UK label they mm-hmm. later found out i think that's why they switched to cadet yeah around 65 or so, so yeah so cadet concept it was kind of like okay. how verve had verve forecast right. which was for more like the folky and psychedelic stuff yeah john found me a copy of this record oh nice this, yeah. this, well, this is a cool yeah, this is a cool addition to the uh, to the playlist for sure mm-hmm. yeah this is a i mean the whole record is really really good a song called sidewalk santa about Little Salvation Army guys. I took that Donny Hathaway tune off this playlist. Yeah. But um, remember that was an Argo single mm-hmm. that Josh had at the party. Oh yes. And that sounded so good. You know, Donny Hathaway ended up he played bass and keys on that track. Hmm. That's really cool. We'll save it for later. Does he have a full Christmas album? Yeah. Did we, yeah. I think, oh, we might have talked about that that night. Yeah. Yeah, we can, uh, what do we got next? We're going to a very serious song next. Oh, this this is the one that, that breaks the the mark, the longest, yeah, longest so song. So, yeah, we definitely don't have to listen to this whole thing. This is a six plus. Uh, is this the Scott Weiland Christmas album? No. <laughs> Another grunge hero. Gone too soon. Yeah, this is Chris Cornell with, um, backed and produced and arranged by the band 11 which was uh alan johannes and his wife natasha so this is a little bit of a um in memoriam because uh chris cornell passed this year so yeah and and george michael i I was thinking that earlier yeah yeah so i I didn't realize how serious our list was yeah well you know it's it's a it's a difficult time of year. So Chris Cornell tracked these vocals live at the Catalina Wine Mixer. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a fact. Before or after he uh, offed? After. Yeah, this was on a compilation, one of a series uh, of compilations that came out every Christmas from... I don't know, maybe the late 90s into the 2000s, but a very special Christmas. This was off the third one. This might have been the one that also had the Tom Petty song. No, maybe the... Yeah, maybe the fourth one. Are they still making these, I wonder? Yeah. I know, it was kind of like the now, that's what I call music. Yeah. This this was kind of now, that's what I call Christmas. So, John, the band uh, Eleven, they, 
those members of that band went on to some pretty big stuff, didn't they? Well, unfortunately, uh, well, yeah, Eleven was was um, Alan Johannes and Natasha uh, Natasha Schneider, and um, she passed away. She came down with cancer at some point and died fairly quickly. Um, but they, they basically, th- this was during the sessions of the Euphoria Morning uh, first Cornell solo album. So they backed backed him on that and pretty much were just kind of the driving force on that. I mean, not to short shrift Cornell because he wrote all the songs, but I think a lot a lot of what I like on that album is, is Eleven's contribution. They had an album around the same time called Avant Garde Dog that was just one of one of my favorite CDs that I got during that same Goody era. Um, but yeah, but but Alan went on to join up with the Queens of the Stone Age guys. So he's been in uh, like them Crooked Vultures. Yeah, played on a lot of Queens albums. Oh, Keith, that reminds me. I have to send you a video uh, of a Josh Holm video I saw the other day. Hami. Hami. I call it home. Hami. When he kicks photographers in the face, I'll call him home. That's fair. Have you seen the video when he was like really sick and it was like a kid that was like throwing stuff on him on the stage and just got the guy kicked out? But yeah, that was about it. But anyway, I'll send you that video. It's it's a, just an interesting video about how he developed his his style of play. Enough to take away from Chris Cornell. Mm. This song gets really good, like in the last two minutes, but it's it's seriously like a seven minute song. So, so you wanna you wanna move on to a little? Yeah, we can, we we can we can bring up the yeah a lot of a lot of people that aren't with us anymore in the song does not really live in the mood. <laughs> Well, this title doesn't live in the mood. No. Christmas Christmas will be just another lonely day. But it's happier sounding. Peppy. Mm-hmm. It's Christmassy and snow nice. is on So good. And this is a uh, pick from Keith Lowe. Yeah, I, I heard this from Josh from Burgess Meredith. He had this record for like a couple Christmases now and this is kind of the standout song I mean everybody knows Jungle Bell Rock mm. which is also great have you found the record yet? I have it yeah Yeah. got a copy this year I didn't realize uh, Jungle Bell Rock was like recorded way before this whole album Yeah. when she was like 13 years old hmm. um, wow. which is nuts yeah kind of like the Willie mm-hmm. where you had one standout yeah, Christmas song like and, then, yeah. and then they did this whole thing no, I'm so, just a sucker for these chord the progressions. So, so Brenda Lee was 13 when she recorded Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah, the the Thir- version that's in that's in the uh, Home Alone. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. How much uh, how much longer after that was this? Because she still is, sounds kind of sure. almost prepubescent. I think she was like 20 at this point. Yeah. This is 64. Yeah, it's weird how her voice hasn't changed mm. too much. Yeah. It was probably uh, hormone treatment. Your voice is perfect. Don't don't change it. But j- yeah, Jingle Bell Rock. <laughs> yeah, sounds like she's sucking helium a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of have a, a weird affinity for these kind of female vocals back in the day too. Like, like mm. Leslie Gore is like one of my favorite female singers. Yeah, and she had a little bit of a, of a more unique voice as well. Yeah, there's a lot of good uh, kind of girl groups from this era that we could have added on here. The Supremes Christmas is great. Ronettes. It's really hard to make a list with yeah for Christmas music. Yeah. When you have to just pick a, a couple. I know. I, you always I, want to pick I, what I have, you're into at the moment. Yeah. Which is not necessarily my favorite all time. But, uh. Yeah, I have a master list of probably 300 songs, and it's, yeah, yeah you kind of had to pick the ones you had something to say something about. Well, this is have a... Have this, Jay? Yeah, if this, if, if we didn't have the downbeat of Ave Maria and then, and then the, the depressing title of that last one, we have a fun one now. Yeah, and we're finishing out strong. Yeah. So John and I got these, uh, the Christmas cheer record store day. Um, Are they 10 inches? Little 10 inch guys. Yeah. And translucent. So yep. you, I think you have the green, I have the red, or maybe vice versa. Yeah, I have, I actually don't remember. I know. I think mine's red. But the, but it's cool, because I don't think, there, were, there was never a full album, so this is basically all the Christmas songs that Les Paul and Mary Ford recorded together, um, put on one 10-inch, which is appropriate, because I think it was only five or six songs, as opposed to collecting all the individual seven inches. Mm-hmm. And Keith, you were explaining that all the instrumentals are, are guitar? Oh yeah, everything, all the, uh, everything but vocals is just is there not bass? multi-tracked guitar. It's possible. There's like low end, but I... You do it on guitar. Yeah. Or you could have uh, very speed tracked it. Right. Yeah, I I didn't know if you like... Yeah. Yeah. But all like the elephant sound effects and stuff. Really? Yeah. It's like scraping the string. Yeah. Yeah, and like that uh, tape tape echo. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, Jay, I don't know know if you know about like Les Paul and his inventions. Does he do... He's... Somebody with guitars, right? He is a guitar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was one of um, the electric, like the solid body electric guitar, was kind of invented. Yeah. At this, by a couple people around the same time in the late '40s. But he had created one called he called the Log, where he put uh, electric pickup on a like kind of cut up a hollow body guitar, put a center strip, attached some pickups, and. I mean, he invented a lot, but he he invented multi-track recording. Yeah. I mean, that's like his his biggest. Uh, Is he officially thing. credited for multi-tracking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and like um, like magnetic tape wasn't even discovered until after the war ended. It was mm-hmm. uh, developed by the Germans, and it's kind of discovered after uh, after yeah. everything. I don't even yeah. think about so that. It's kind yeah. of crazy to think about that. Like everything was direct to wax. Um, up to that point. Yep. Yeah, but it's pretty incredible. I mean, people must have freaked out when they heard um, Mary Ford singing with herself mm-hmm. many times <laughs> over. Yeah, it's it's yeah. so cool. And if, if you get a chance, like, go to YouTube and type in Les Paul Mary Ford Live. Like, Mary Ford was actually a great guitar player, too. Well, Les Paul was an incredible guitar player. Like, he could have just been a jazz, um, a jazz player if he wanted. 
I think he had like a little career playing in New York mm-hmm. before uh, getting I I th- into recording. Yeah, I think it was it was John Bryan that was talking about how he would go and see his residencies. Right, he did that up until he died. Yep. And you can find all that stuff on YouTube too. It's great. Like Les Paul jamming with, uh, with like Jimmy Page and Billy Gibbons and. Yeah, but I think he's he, probably a big everybody. influence on John Bryan's live show. Like the, oh, sure, with, that with the looping, looping and stuff. Yeah, he's kind of doing exactly. a newer generation version of that same kind of playing with yourself. Yeah. Now, Les Paul's a pretty incredible guy. Jay, I was waiting for you to chime in with the playing with yourself. Well, I can't get a pun in edgewise with you two. It must be getting late on the East Coast. We're full of facts over here. <laughs> if we didn't restart the pod seven times. Yeah. Not true. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a fourth fourth times fourth time was a charm, and I think we hit it uh, yeah. pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think. What about the fifth time, as in the Jackson? Five. Yeah, we're coming to the end of the list here with the Jackson 5. And we're going to end it out with Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas because I always feel like this is a good ender. It always is kind of like a, hey, it's late at night, time to relax and, uh, and start chilling out. I usually use closing time when I want to move people out of the house. Fuck. So, but, yeah, I bad experiences because when I was in college and worked as a bouncer mm-hmm. it was either that song or uh, that, uh, there was like two songs that everybody played to like close the end of the night and have everybody move out of the bar and I hated them all <laughs> yeah when we, when we had um, some people over the other night Keith and Becky were the last to head home so I put on the Chris Cornell Christmas song <laughs> and I put on Semisonic yeah I didn't know you were trying to get rid of me so bad you were trying to go it was getting late yeah me uh, John and Josh and Burgess we dragged all our Christmas record collections together which is an absurd amount of Christmas records Maybe I think I think all the ladies were a bit shocked <laughs> That we had that many goddamn Christmas yeah. records. Well, I guess my yeah, I, I guess my invite yeah. got lost in the mail. Well, dude. Well, well, I was gonna say we can do it when you get here because I know you're gonna visit. But that's after Christmas. When that tree gets put away, I'm done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're we're packing everything away, taking all the decorations down before we before we fly yeah. down. Really? Yeah. So when we get back, we don't have to do shit. Jesus, that's depressing. I like to have the tree up for at least a week. Yeah, I typically wait. Well, he's coming to visit, so yeah. you don't want to come back after New Year's, after what's a vacation. The, what's the worst that can happen? You come back home and you got your tree still up? Yeah, then I have oh, to do it. It's depressing, and then you're like, okay, it's 362 days. That was mm. a terrible math job there. <laughs> Three, 362 days? Hey, Jay. Yeah. Late. Yeah. All right. So Jay, what has been? What's a Christmas record that's playing at uh, at the Coons house? Well, I told you it's, like it's right now. It's the it's that classic Christmas. I, I can't even remember what the what the name of it is. Cool. Um, but that's that's like the one that I've been playing just because it's all the old, just straight classic Christmas tunes. Does it have Santa Claus? Like, is it a mostly white cover with like Santa Claus in a sleigh in the center? Um, does does it have Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song and Bing Crosby? And... 
uh, Gene Autry. If you give me a second, it's the great, oh, okay. great songs of Christmas. Oh, okay. And it's got like uh, almost like a uh, South Park looking Santa Claus in the in the okay. in the middle. But it's like it's great songs of Christmas by the great artist of our time. It's like, literally like Barbara Streisand, Johnny Mathis. Uh, who else was on that thing? Percy Faith. Nice. Yeah. So it's it's just oh, you, that Percy Faith stuff. John got me like a, a later '60s recording that had a lot of vocals on it too. Um, but there's another there's another one, a great instrumental Percy Faith that is on my list for next year. I've been into Lawrence Welk this Christmas season. I didn't put any on the list, but um, Lawrence Welk like had like a variety show, or it was like a musical show. It wasn't a variety show. It was like all just like him and his orchestra, like this huge, maybe thirty-piece orchestra. And you can go on YouTube and um, he had Christmas specials where he'd have like the Lennon Sisters and um, a lot of like late fifties, early sixties groups to come in and sing with his orchestra but it's just so cool because all that stuff's recorded live and uh kind of highlights all the different instruments in the band yeah oh yeah we're rocking now yeah some of that old stuff is uh i'm i'm kind of like you like when you were talking about the hi-fi like i'm i've i've been thinking trying to get back into like the even like some of the pre-60s stuff cool yeah totally yeah there's there's so much we didn't even include yeah i mean like i can't go without hearing like the nat king cole version of the christmas song that might be like one of the best yeah yeah or um i really enjoy the bing crosby white christmas well all right Um, well uh i think that's the end of the end of the playlist that's yeah uh john you have any uh last words no, no, we did good. Yeah. I think we uh, we got all the good ones in there. Keith, thanks for joining us again. Your input was as valuable as ever. Sweet, I'll be back for the uh, the Easter pod. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, are we, are we gonna hear from you until? I might be. Uh, we'll do we'll do a Fourth of July. Uh, I might be a little hungover. Where we we're, like to go to Bolden while everybody's at, uh, at church yeah. on Easter. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's it. We're going to leave you guys with uh, Fiona Apple again, as we did with the Halloween episode. Uh, it's a holiday tradition. Yeah, so she's she's uh, coming to you with Frosty the Snowman. But hope every, Brian. Yeah, everybody have a great Christmas and holiday season. And I think uh, we're going to try to get together when I'm in Austin before the new year and do a 2017 playlist but don't hold us to that and if we don't do it uh who cares so we're gonna do it we're gonna do it we're either gonna do that or we're gonna jam yes and we're we're recording either way yeah (laughs) yeah it'll be a blk jam which will be less beer this time Mm -hmm. so 45 says it's okay for me to say merry christmas y'all 45 yeah merry christmas (laughs) happy holidays all right, have a good one, guys. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, uh, happy Hanukkah. I guess is Hanukkah almost over? No idea. Right. Have a good one, guys. We'll see you next yep. time. We'll see you soon. <laughs>